1: Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast It's the last one of the year 2020 is officially coming to an end And we thought it was a great idea to talk you through the 2020 season But it's not just me, it never is We have Tommy, the WTF1 founder And Katie, the WTF1 editor Both of you, thank you for joining me after Christmas Are you feeling plump? feeling festive.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah, festive is a good one. I loved my it's just stick with that.
3: Plenty of plenty of spa- sprouts and, you know, the the best the best thing on the Christmas dinner, so
1: yeah. Well, I had to roll roll all the way to my um to my seat now to to do the WTF1 podcast. So uh yeah, definitely definitely feeling worse for wear now but it was great at the time and th- the fact that you rated sprouts so highly on your christmas list tommy it makes me feel sick but we're not going to get into that that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about the 2020 f1 season and some key moments from the year so the three word race reviews race reviews, season reviews <laughs> there's no races anymore aaron underscore w01 better than expected Austographer underscore underscore Hambot Ver Degoste Castro fourteen like a roller coaster Pierre underscore Dalla Piccola Crazy Midfield Fights and Dan Ceseri Unexpected And Expected Very difficult to do a three word season review, isn't it? Um because so much has happened, so many highs and lows, such a crazy year. Um do you think that does it justice, Tommy? What what those five reviews?
3: Yeah, I think it does. I I, I totally agree with the expected and un, unexpected. We'll go into sort of how we rate 2020. But it's been a strange year where it's meant for me, it's managed to be the most predictable season ever, yet also the most unpredictable season ever. It's really strange.
1: So exactly. is Dan Cesare, your, like, alias account then? Unexpectedly unexpected. And yeah, unexpected. Mo- you just wanted another three, three... Yeah, it's just you, isn't it? You, yeah, just, yeah, you yeah. just love getting them yeah, yeah. Sorry, Katie.
2: No, I was just going to say, I agree. I think when we'll talk about it, but when Australia was cancelled, we all sort of thought, is this season even going to happen this year? Um, but we've had so much unpredictability, but at the same time, seen the same kind of guys winning. So... It has been a great season, though, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. I just
3: thought thought of something quite funny. When we did our first podcast, which feels for the the season uh, for, I think it was pre-Australia, I remember when we were sorting the podcast thumbnail out and we were talking about um, COVID and not really knowing how serious it was going to be or if it was cancelled, if it was going to be cancelled. And there are a lot of talks that may be cancelled or we didn't really know at the time. But I remember the thumbnail for that was a picture of it. We put an empty grandstand and saying, will the season go ahead? I think we did as our thumbnail. And I remember at the time we were like, is that too dramatic? Are we sort of being a bit ridiculous here? And then it turned out that that pretty much was what happened in Australia.
1: But then also dramatic because we had 17 races, which is ridiculous to even think. I can't believe we did. Yeah, I think that's been one of the main things is that we're we're all completely baffled by the fact that we had 17 races this season. Obviously, we finished only a couple of weeks before Christmas, uh, which uh, is also unseen and unheard of. But Formula One did an amazing job. Uh, You can't you can't take anything away from them on that side of things. You know, getting the logistics in place must have been one hell of a nightmare. Um, But let's talk about the season. Was 2020 A great season. Aidan Underhill comes in with a question. Where does this season rank out of all the years you've been fans? For me, it's right up there. It is a difficult one. It depends what you measure your enjoyment of this season on. If you're measuring it on a championship fight, it's a low one. It's It's not a great season and you don't enjoy it. And yeah, okay, we had some banging races. But overall, the championship context, which is the main thing, there wasn't really a story there. But how I see it which is more about race by race. I'm a neutral as much as everyone thinks I'm not a neutral. Like, I just want to see great racing. Fair enough. There are a few drivers I'd like to see do well. But there's there's not that, for me, when I was a kid, when I was watching Shumi, if Shumi was out the race, I'd lose interest. Whereas this, I, it doesn't really bother me that much. And the fact that we had so many iconic races that we will remember until we're old and grey, I think that in itself makes 2020 an amazing season. You know the likes of Turkey—that's something that we've never seen before. Um, and and to and to go back to such classic, iconic tracks that, to be honest, I don't think we would have seen for many years to come uh, in an, in normal circumstances, and perhaps never for some of them. Perhaps Turkey will never see again. But I, for me, it was an amazing season. It was nostalgic, and it was it was one that I'll definitely remember for both good and bad reasons.
3: Yeah. So maybe. Maybe a little unpopular, but I don't think the on track action was maybe as amazing um, as other seasons that we've had in, in the past that we had some amazing races. It seemed like this year there was sort of almost no middle ground where the race was either absolutely dreadful and nothing happened or it would take one tiny thing monza for example of you know a safety car and it just threw the whole thing into chaos and i feel like that that is almost like an a occurring theme now um with with this season but i'd go i'd go even further with what you were saying that we obviously live and breathe formula one and there's a lot more to it than just the races don't get me wrong the first thing and most important thing for me in f1 will always be enjoyable races but i think the fact that you had all these, um, like this amazing drama off track as well, you know. Having the the new winners, Russell going into a Mercedes for a race, new tracks, the silly season was absolutely it was so much drama, nuts. wasn't it? It was, it was drama. It was, just, it was just it was drama. the The narrative of the season, and I, I think best racing season ever. No, most memorable. I think everyone's going to remember twenty twenty just because of. Just the drama, like you say, there was so much going on all season. It seemed like you wouldn't go, a, even th- even when there wasn't racing on three days, without some kind of ridiculous and huge Formula One story happening.
2: It certainly kept me in a job, that's for sure. Because <laughs> every other every other day, it was like, oh my goodness, this news has broken. This is that like happened a silly season or whatever, or so and so's got COVID. Um, I think if you had said to me what are your three wishes for the 2020 season? Obviously, one of them would be to make sure that everybody's safe and healthy with the COVID. But more race winners is always something that us fans are wanting. And more people on the podium. When we got 13 different podium finishes this year to visit new locations, because I think because we travel to the same places every year, we've said it before in the podcast, you know, teams have heaps and heaps of data. They know exactly what to do if it's a relatively smooth race and it can become very predictable. And, you know, as much as I hate to associate the word boring with F1, races can become quite dull. So to have these new locations meant that we didn't know what was going to be going into you know a race weekend yes we could probably guess that Hamilton or or Mercedes were going to be dominant but in some cases that wasn't what happened and I think that it was great and also I said on here my other wish would be a good title fight which I've put lol in brackets because that just didn't happen did it but overall I think it answered a lot of prayers for fans in that yes the racing like you say the actual fighting on track we didn't get these amazing overtaking battles at every single race but there are so many good races and big highlights that have happened throughout 2020 that you know in 10 years 20 years we'll look back upon and say oh, do you remember in 2020 when we went back to i don't know turkey like you say or we went to Maui, or. Um, <sighs> I don't know, we had these ridiculous races and crammed into such a tiny little schedule. I mean, we had the the triple header towards the end of the year, which unfortunately there's another one of those coming up next year. But just to have so many races in such quick succession was amazing as fans. But for those of us that worked in F1, my God, I was exhausted after it finished.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can uh, only imagine how people actually down on the ground felt yeah. as uh, they finished uh, in Abu Dhabi but not even crossed the line because they would have then had to pack up but when they got home after that and hopefully get back to their families for Christmas uh, it's well some didn't did they if they were trying to travel back certain places yeah it's just been an awful year but the, the fact that we've been able to I say we the, the Formula One as a sport has been able to, to put this on for us is has been nothing short of incredible um, and Hats off to every single person. I know some uh, F1 personnel, for some reason, listen to this podcast. Um, well done. Uh, it's been uh, it's been incredible to see. And your dedication, of course, hasn't gone unnoticed by fans or I hope the teams as well. Um, speaking of COVID, obviously it mixed up the calendar this year. We've mentioned it. Uh, Donald Ames comes in with a question. Anything you'd carry over from the COVID era into future non-COVID seasons? Tighter schedule, changes to locations, back-to-backs? Uh, for me, I don't think a tighter schedule as much as I got used to a formula one race, pretty much being on every single weekend. It's not, it's not feasible. You know, that was done purely for an emergency situation. Um, I think in terms of the scheduling, it should be as, as it was, I know they're still trying to creep in more and more races and it's getting a little bit ridiculous in terms of uh, what's expected from formula one teams. Uh, But I'm all for changes to locations. I'm all for having a, a mystery track or a, you know, just an i and just one a year, an iconic track comes back uh, that they put all the the resource behind uh, to make it happen because I, I feel like that's something that you know it mixes the the season up a little bit. It it keeps it interesting, and I think it's something that it does genuinely just spice up what would be a normal you know solid calendar that we're used to most of the time. I know we do get new new tracks, although those new tracks are very questionable. Um, but I I'm all for. Keeping the history of the sport, you know, they're so into keeping Monaco because of its heritage. Well, what what about bringing the other uh, tracks that have have brought so much history to the sport that have just been pushed to the wayside? As long as it doesn't cost too much money, I think they should do it.
3: Yeah, I think the the obvious one there, and I'm sure ninety nine percent of fans will answer this question with the very same thing that we just we just got to see Formula One in new locations and new tracks, and it just made. It made it so much more exciting, like like we mentioned in in the previous questions. In terms of the schedule itself, um, it's a it's an odd one because the the off season, I guess in theory we had a, almost a longer off season because it's weird to think that this season started in July. Was it July or yeah, June? I can't July. quite remember, but July. Um, so it's really tightly packed. So essentially, you did almost a full season in half a year. And then had half a year of not racing um which I'm sure the teams uh maybe wouldn't have minded having a bit longer of an off season, but then but the thing is you spread out if you spread out a twenty three race season and you're having gaps, there's not really a gap to do anything anyway in the in the two week gap, whereas I'm sure team personnel and stuff would much rather have a longer off season and then just go absolutely ham for for it um so yeah I I think the the obvious the obvious answer is just new tracks but unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen again
2: I think you're probably right Tommy unfortunately I mean, when the calendar got announced, I think they did the first initial rescheduled calendar, which was something like eight races. Because if you didn't know, F1 needed to complete eight races this year to be, you know, completed as a world championship, so they could crown a world champion, which would be in Hamilton. three
1: continents, right?
2: Um, I'm not sure. They say that. But I don't then think that it was.
3: Happened, did it? I think it's just did it not uh, well, Asia, Europe, and asia europe and no, didn't do americas they didn't do south america they didn't do it's interesting when it was, when it was first and... formed
1: it had to be three continents over eight races but then, yeah that was what the i guess yeah i guess they can they can change the rules if they want to
2: yeah i think I yeah mean, it's not
1: it, gonna they're not gonna say it doesn't count
3: yeah exceptional <laughs> <Imagine>.
2: circumstances <laughs>
3: at the end of the year they go uh, oh who's going to tell lewis that this championship doesn't count and he doesn't have the record yeah. sorry uh, we, they we do messed the up. whole
1: prize ceremony and they're, they're like this isn't real
3: Psych. wait we
1: didn't race in america oh no <laughs> this was just a rehearsal for 2021 <laughs> um oh, sorry imagine. katie were you, were you anything adding anything there uh
2: no i was just gonna say you know we're talking about the the calendar and things when it was announced that we had You know, the two races at the Red Bull Ring and then Hungary, uh, Great Britain, Spain and Belgium and things like that. Looking back, because I rewatched all of the highlights yesterday um, and, you know, Austria started off as a great race, whether that's because it was the first race back and everybody's like that first day back at school. Everybody's quite excited. And then the races, you know, took a bit of a dip and were quite dull. And I mean, there was the the race in Silverstone where, you know, everybody's tyres seemed to just explode at the last lap. And then it took another dip. But then when we started visiting the older tracks, with the exception of Monza, which obviously we go to anyway, places like Mugello, um, Nürburgring, Portugal, uh, Imola, Turkey, those races are the standout races of the season for me anyway. I'm not sure if the fans will agree. But, and they're the ones that we went to that we haven't been to in years and years, or if ever. So I think it says a lot that for me the best races of the year were the ones where we hadn't been to. In a long time or before, but it could just be chance. Even
3: even the even Sakir as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh yeah you know, Sakir. So yeah, that's another thing uh I will add. Not not just new locations, but new track layouts. I think we said it on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. The last couple.
1: And that's something that Bring can be layouts. done at some circuits easily, right? You know, Paul yeah, Ricard. Yeah. I mean, that is the one of the worst races we've ever seen around there, and they've got about fifteen thousand different track layouts. Just try something else because that's not working, um, and it just shows that that we don't want it to become a fast. I get it; like we don't want to have secure short seven times a year because it is a bit of a lottery. And but, but at the same time, we need to to change it up, especially if if a track layout is not proving to be great, like we mentioned before with Yas Marina Circuit. Th- there needs to be a a chat about it, whether there is or not. That be behind closed doors, but I certainly think there should be. And I agree with you, Tommy, uh, changes to the track layouts, not massive ones, but just looking at problem areas of tracks. <coughs> Catalonia last year came uh, and then just, you know, seeing what happens. I think that uh, that would be a good start. Um, so let's cast our minds. Uh, Katie did mention it uh, briefly there. Melbourne being cancelled and the new season opener in Austria, uh, which was it feels like four years ago now um Masro underscore Parker says how different would the season have gone in terms of Alex Alban if he won that first race in Austria and Hamilton not eating him off no different I think it would have just been a very much a hero to zero thing to be honest uh where he would have got a win but it, it it wouldn't have changed I don't think his lack of clear understanding in how to make that car work I know that there's elements of oh yeah but his confidence would have been high I mean he had two podiums and then pretty much backed that up with a poor performance or, you know, there wasn't anything. It wasn't like he continued his run of form after getting a great result in, uh, in Mugello, for example. So for me, I don't think it would change anything. Uh, It would have just been Alex Albon, right place, right time. uh, And the rest of the season would have panned out pretty much the same. We interrupt this WTF1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode, and you will have heard of them before. It's ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server, so your internet service provider cannot see any of your activity. Just think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch or message you send gets tracked by internet service providers. They can then hand over your information to government agencies even when you've done nothing wrong. That's why I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to hide your online activity. You just download the app, tap one button on your device and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and Wired. So stop handing over your personal data and protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash wtf1. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N slash wtf1 to get three months extra free right back to the podcast
3: i think if you look i was looking back at alex alvin's results after austria where obviously you can argue that he lost a win um it wasn't that bad i know he was not on the pace compared to max but he finished fourth fifth, Hold on. eighth and fifth not that, that
1: bad you can't ha- bad look, People are going to be coming in the comments saying, "Tommy, you and Matt uh, have been roasting Alban for the entire season." No, 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 no. And then go. Actually, it wasn't that not, bad
3: because I've not finished my point
1: <laughs> my <laughs> Yes, but you triggered me. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, you did trigger but, uh, me. You triggered the the fans in my head that I could see them yeah. writing it. Anyway, yeah, carry on. yeah.
3: But I think the real pressure point came in Monza, because if you look at his results after Monza, yeah, like you say, he got the Magello podium, but then 10th retired 12th, 15th. And I don't think he really recovered from that. It's, it's difficult because Some of them were crazy is, races as well, weren't they?
1: Like, yeah. Monza. That, was that's it Monza? the thing.
3: Um, Monza was, he was like, yeah, Monza nowhere. was crazy yeah. and he was nowhere. I know Red Bull aren't particularly great there, but you know, even, even <laughs> Sakhir, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not the same car as it. Sakhir, um, Sakir is one of those where I think Albin finished sixth or seventh. Can't quite sixth, remember what yeah. it is. And you go and you go. Okay, sixth is fine. But when no Mercedes and Verstappen and Leclerc aren't in the race, six isn't a good result. But the thing but was is, you Alban, me
1: at the start of the Sakir short one and it had been like absolute chaos, and Albin had made no positions up.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because he and started quite short, low. I think he.
1: Was it the normal one? That was the normal. Uh
3: no, I can't it was the one. Yeah, it was the them. Yeah, he didn't make up any places with all the chaos at the start, which you're kind of like, surely that should have been where he went. But uh, I'm slightly disagree. I think if Alban had won the race, because I'm I'm still adamant that the move on Lewis was more Albon's fault than it was Hamilton's, um, I'm still willing to die on that hill. <laughs> um, but I think if he'd have won that race, he would have at least proved to Red Bull that given the opportunity, he can take it. Um, and I think it would have been a much harder situation for Red Bull to drop him if he'd have got a win. But the fact that he didn't win, and like you mentioned in in the... Um, Previous podcast, you know, uh, Albon couldn't have written a worse a script. That the two people he's competing for a seat against won one races in <laughs> midfield cars. It, it couldn't have gone any worse for him. So, I think if he'd have won that race, I personally think he he might have had a chance, and maybe maybe you know he'd have been more confident and improved.
2: Yeah, I think with with the race, I mean, getting knocked out when you could, like you say, argue that he was on his way to a win. With 10 laps to go, must be a real kick in the nuts. But he then, you know, came back from that. And like you say, fourth, fifth, then eighth, fifth, eighth, sixth. And then it gets to Monza. And like you say, I think that's the, the point where his season just sort of crumbled away. But then you could also argue, like Matt said, that, you know, looking at what Verstappen was achieving in that time, those results are still disappointing. But it's funny because I was watching back the season, like I said, yesterday. And there are some really amazing overtakes that Albon did in the season and I think oh like, I'm, I'll make a note of that and then I look back and I think well hang on a minute that's a good overtake but that's for like 11th and Verstappen is up in second and it's things like that yes you know things like pit stops have probably put him in that position but for most of the season he's just he's not had that pace and hasn't been able to keep up with Verstappen, I'm sure having Verstappen as a teammate seems like an impossible task. I mean, look at Valtteri Bottas and how it has been for him having Lewis Hamilton as a teammate. You know, it's very evident that you're a number two in that team and to have the mental strength to approach every single weekend, like I can beat this person, even though they are arguably, you know, the best in F1 at the time. That's, you know, I I admire that. Fair enough, because I don't think I'd have the mental strength to do that. I just think, well... I'm um, rubbish and <laughs> all that sort of thing but I think that he's just had a shocker of a year and I mean I I know that we haven't talked to, I haven't been on the podcast since it was announced but obviously Alban is now no longer in a seat and Perez has taken that seat i think that was undeniably the correct decision Red Bull made but I don't know, maybe we'll see Albin in F1 again, but if we do, I think it will probably be in in quite a while because at the moment, I don't think anybody really is that keen to bring on somebody like Albin when he's had such a shocker of a year in a car, which, you know, Max Verstappen at one point was fighting for second in the championship. So, I don't know, that's my my point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think... um... Well, Red Bull have kind of hinted at the fact that, you know, 2022, maybe that's when uh, they bring Albon back in, maybe a year of learning, that sort of stuff. Um, because obviously Perez is, is the right decision, without a shadow of a doubt. And Perez will also give us a great indicator as to whether that second driver seat is cursed or not. If he's up there with Verstappen, like Weber, Ricardo, that kind of, um, uh, sorry, Weber to Vettel uh, matching kind of thing where it's you know a few tents here and there webber will win a few ricardo will win a few but the problem for alban was that he he never never showed up to any race and was quicker than verstappen not one you know so you can't really say our oh, tracks didn't suit him or whatever Like there wasn't one glimpse of real hope where alban was even on the pace of verstappen there wasn't one tell me one occasion where alban did i, I can't think of one can either of you?
3: No, there wasn't. Because yeah. even Mugello, Mij- you know, it was the the I Red mean, Bull Stappen was clearly the second you know. fastest car. Oh and yeah. And didn't even enter the race, so yeah. And that was the problem. Was
1: and that was the problem for Red Bull. I think they would have maybe kept Albon had Red Bull um, had that advantage over the midfield for the entire season, because Albon could have slotted in P4 most of the time, and we saw that in Mugello and a few other tracks where Red Bull were closer to Mercedes and further away from from the from the midfield, but. When the midfield were nipping on the the heels of Red Bull, a few tenths behind Verstappen, that's when Albon just fell, just fell so far back, and then just gets stuck, and then complains about dirty air, the car not uh, driving properly. You know, they race me so hard it was a, a very um, poor choice of words, wasn't it? Uh, at Nürburgring, I think it was. But look, there's yeah, no yeah. there's no doubting that Albon has an overtake in him. I think he's got great racecraft. I think when he tried to go around the outside of Hamilton, he thought he was in a simulator rather than the real thing um but you know it was still audacious twinch and fair play for going for it but he's got the 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 drive i think he genuinely does have the eagerness to 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 win and to to do well but just couldn't get his head around that red ball which we saw with Pierre Gasly so it's not it could it may not be the end for Alex Albon he's got to think count his lucky stars that he even got to formula 1 because he wasn't even supposed to be there uh, he was supposed to drive in formula e so yeah i i i reckon that alex We'll still have a shot at a seat later down the line. It just depends how well Perez does, I guess. Uh, Moving on. Moving on. Unless, Tommy, you have anything else to say. Moving on.
3: No, I'm... I'm glad to be talking about Alex Alban for the last. Yes, the last. Well, not in a
1: horrible way, Alex. No, not not in a horrible way. um,
3: In terms of just uh, every question we always get on the podcast is about Alex. Alex.
1: Um, Let's talk about some more positive news and the the new winners in 2020, which uh, we have briefly touched on: Gasly in Monza and Perez in Sakia. Ellis Spearman, 22, says, "Who was your shock performer of the year?" Someone who over or underperformed considering the car or circumstances. Big question. Big question. Um, I think my shock of the year was Sebastian Vettel and how unbelievably off the pace he was for the majority of the year. I know people will get on their tinfoil hats and say, it's this, that, and the other. His car was, had four brake horsepower, blah, blah, blah. It was still my shock of the year. Um, but in terms of overperforming, I think Gasly, Gasly was 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 brilliant for a lot of the e. Fell off towards the end. Fiat started to get a measure of him, but there were still so many standout performances from Gasly that he was my overperformer.
3: Yeah, underperformer, definitely. Sebastian Vettel. He, there's no two ways about it. Regardless of whether the car's not suited to him, at the end of the day, he's a four-time world champion, and you know he's got he's got the chance for redemption now in a new team. So we'll see how that goes. But. In terms of just this season, yeah, hundred percent agree. Vettel under underperformed, um, overperformed. Gasly at the start of the season, Perez at the end of the season. I think were the two sort of standouts in the midfield. Um, it's, it's, you know, at the start of the season, Gasly it was just like, oh my word, where's <laughs> you know Gasly just seems to be in the form of his life, and then at the end that happened to Perez where seemed like racing point that Perez seemed to get on top of it maybe you could argue maybe they were a bit more comfortably the third best car um by the end of it but Perez was absolutely maximizing it I mean, you know if if things had gone another way um that wasn't his fault he could have maybe even ended the the year with five consecutive podiums which would have been an unbelievable performance so yeah Gasly and Prez. and then, you know, shout out to the and Leclerc. But I mean, they're they're just <laughs> you just expect that from them. That's not that's not a disrespect. If anything, it's a compliment. But you just those two are just proving to be next level. And I think those two. I guess the problem with Leclerc is he just had a bit of a few very silly moments as well, which unfortunately ruined it for him. But
2: I've gone with similar you know, paths of things with you guys. I've put with impressed, because these are drivers that I wouldn't expect to be as competitive as they were. I've seemed to have just collected a whole list of them. I've put Sainz, Gasly, Perez, Ricardo. I think Ricardo's had one of the best years of his F1 career. Uh, Lando Norris, I've put Leclerc in there, which like you say, he had moments of complete stupidity, but then he's also had other moments of brilliance comparing it to somebody like sebastian vettel who is in my underperformed column because he just had a shocker of a year stroll as well underperformed you know he had a great start to the year um but it just all seemed to fall apart from i think probably about Magello really um alban and i've put bottas in the underperformed column as well because i think this was probably his worst year with mercedes in my opinion
1: Interesting. I, I probably wouldn't have put Stroll in the underperform just as a general look at his whole mm. season. I think, yeah, it was disappointing, but then he set some very high standards for himself, being fourth in in the championship going into to Magello. So, uh, a bit harsh, I think, Casey. But fair enough. It's your opinion. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Well, I did just shut shoot it down. But look, we, we can agree to disagree, right? Lovely. Um, me, there's me coming to Stroll's rescue. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, I
3: didn't. I didn't think. I think Stroll was a bit was extremely disappointing at the end of the season despite his his pole but yeah I think that the start of the season you need to see need to see more of that I think it's a worry for Racing Point and Aston Martin that they've essentially got two drivers that at the end of the season Finish, yeah were, were really uh you know if you look at a form guide and the two the two drivers that haven't been performing well you'd say Stroll and Vettel so it's their chance to sort of you know they, they need to sort of come back fighting and and be be doing what Perez was doing in that car
2: hopefully with a absolutely a new, a new name above the door as well that might add some extra motivation and they can come into 2021 all guns blazing that's what we want to see
1: let's see let's uh we'll, we'll, it's, it's going to be an interesting pairing that one very excited to see who comes out on top I hope it's Vettel just for the sake of his legacy but let's move on uh we've pretty much spoken about uh, the new tracks that came into the calendar. Takumi GSR says, which of the new tracks of the 2020 calendar would you like to see return on a regular basis? All right, let's do it this way. Mugello, Imla, Nürburgring, Portimao, Turkey. If you had to pick one, what would you choose and why? My one would be, I've put myself on the spot, but I'm going to go with Turkey. And because it's mental, even though we will not get the track surface like that again, I just love the track. Really glad to see it back. And the fact that there was just chaos just added some extra amazingness yeah uh
3: my my I've gone for two um Port, Portimao and Turkey yeah I can't decide I, I guess if you've gone Turkey then I'll say Portimao but I feel like Turkey we were it was a really good race no doubt um one of the best of the the year I would uh, it's a shame because I would really like to see another race at Turkey where we get to see it in the dry in all its glory where people are going flat flat out and we get to see another race like that um but Portimao I think is so well suited to modern F1 and it just showed that it's just the better the better Barcelona as we said at the time
2: well guys you're gonna love me because I've gone for completely the opposite which seems to be traditional on this podcast now um <laughs> I said I like them here all here we go here we go right Get ready, guys. I said I like Sakhir because that really surprised me. I thought it was going to be completely terrible and actually ended up being one of the best races of the year. And I said Nürburgring as well because... Oh,
1: okay, Sakhir. So we're, we're putting the short in the new track element. Okay, all right. So. all right, all right. Half half yeah, new. I can, okay. it can. Yeah, can. Half new. <laughs> I, anyway. I kind of forgot about that together.
2: Um, And I also said that tracks like Nürburgring had more consistent action than somewhere like Portugal, which, I mean, had one of the best opening few laps to a race we've seen in years and years and years and i think my three word race review at the time was make portugal permanent but um it then became quite stagnant afterwards you know when looking at my my race review all my two-thirds of it was like lap one lap one lap two all the things that happened and then it sort of was like lap 33 lap 45 um and i said turkey was fun but it was because a big part of it was because of the track surface and it was a bit like dancing on ice so I don't know if I'd really rather prioritise something like Turkey over Nürburgring. But anyway, I'm here all day with unpopular opinions to get shot down. So come at yeah, me.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're trying to trigger me here, Katie. I mean, you're, you're speaking badly of Turkey and we haven't even seen it. High speed. Uh, but I think it would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, there the wasn't really a tricks. wrong answer, to be honest. They were all yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Apart from maybe Imola was a bit meh, Apart from but, Katie's answer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, apart from Katie's answer. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Uh, moving on. Uh, We've spoken about tracks, I think, enough. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, of course. How can we forget? Seven-time world champion. Um, Yeah, I mean, he just, every single season rocks up and is just ridiculous. He's in a different level. Um, Doesn't get the praise he deserves, I don't think, at this stage, just purely because he's deemed as having the best car. And I don't think it helped that George Russell popped into his car and pretty much beat well would have beaten Bottas and taken the win um but like, I don't think it takes anything away from the consistency from Lewis Hamilton and just what he brings to a team it's no mistake as well that you know he's there and Mercedes like, he doesn't just get in the, the the thing that really triggers me and I'm not trying to get angry or go on a rant here is that people think that Lewis will rock up at 10 a.m pop in for FP1 do a few laps Go back to the hotel or something or just chill out. Back, to, back for FB2. You know, he puts in so much work. All the drivers put in so much work. But the teams that move forward or stay at the front, it is, c- it is clear that it's not just the engineers. Like the drivers have to give a huge amount of feedback and work so hard in order to nail the setup week in, week out and all that sort of stuff that it, it kills me that Lewis Hamilton is, is almost like deemed as, oh, well, he wins because he's in the best car. But he literally makes the car with the team. Uh, anyway, let's yeah. not get angry. But do, do you get what I mean?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see his. Um, you know, he 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 returned after one race in Abu Dhabi wasn't hundred percent fit. Um, mentioned that he lost was it four kilos, six kilos? Can't remember what it was. Four kilos due to COVID or something. And you know, he's straight back in the gym, saying like, need to get back on it. And I think what what impresses me most about Hamilton, and I know again, this is the most annoying argument in the world, that, oh, he's always had the best car, which he hasn't. And, you know, he's had a winning car, yes, but he has won in every season that he's competed in and teammates in that car haven't always won uh, in those seasons. And I think the most impressive thing, like you say, is the fact that he's just on it and he just doesn't, doesn't quit. Like, he never seems to have a day off, which I'm sure is a pain for, for Bottas because (laughs) you know Bottas should be there to pick up the pieces but Hamilton more more than ever now just seems to just be relentless with it and just getting better with age and even you know when you don't think he's not he's going to do it in races like Turkey he just pulls out an unbelievable performance so yeah I think this year yes his car was amazing but it's what you do with it I think I still I still think Verstappen's answer to that question in the press conference was absolutely perfect where he said, of course you need him in the car because he's going to make a difference when things are not going right. And that's exactly what he did in Turkey.
2: He is so focused and determined. And like you guys have said, it's no coincidence that the Mercedes is just so good. Yes, they've got hundreds of thousands of people in their factory back in Brackley and all around the world. To make sure that car is competitive as it is but Hamilton and Bottas you know they both have a part to play in making sure that car is one of the best that we've seen in this era of F1 and like you say it does frustrate me too when you know I mean recently Hamilton won Sports Personality of the Year for example and that triggered a lot of people on Twitter who don't watch F1 I mean, you don't have to watch F1, you know, everybody's entitled to their own favourite sports and stuff. But the people who were saying, oh, it's ridiculous that he's won this. All he does is drive around in circles in a car that's, you know, 100 times faster than everybody else's. And that's just so not true. And I'm sure all F1 fans watching this were probably as triggered as I was to see all of these things on social media. I avoided responding to any as much as I wanted to. But he's, (laughs) it's, you know, that balance of man and machine... And Hamilton just completely aces it every time. So, yeah, I'm I'm pleased yeah. that he's got that seventh title. Just, Im-
1: just imagine how much more simple life would be if you had one of their brains. Like, just, you know, oh, yeah. it's just going round around in circles, As- mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah
3: just- it's easy. Uh, I mean, oh. the, the, that's the thing. They don't see all the, the fitness and how much, you know, they have to, you know, it's not, you're not driving, you know, uh, a Mini Cooper around Tesco <laughs> car park are you it's it's completely different I think the the best response that I've seen to that about you know Hamilton the best car I think um it was near Niran I think if yeah quite a lot of people know that um said something along the lines of the official you know, FNG L- yeah yeah uh the Lionel Messi would not be considered the world's greatest footballer if he was playing for Scunthorpe United you need some part of it but but you know, that's a team sport as well, and the the cre you know he's the best, and he's got into a really good team and been able to prove himself. Hamilton's got into a really good team and been able to prove himself. It's it's the same thing. Like the the best car argument is just the most frustrating thing to watch, and the most annoying thing about it this year is people have short memories. The t- twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen Ferrari were a lot closer you know Vettel was leading the seasons for a lot of the part and then Hamilton just turned up at the end of the season and was just relentless and just won loads of races and you could argue that that for the Ferrari was on the pace of Mercedes that year and because I think Bottas maybe won one race uh in 2018 maybe didn't even win a race at all um so yeah people people are just using the 2020 Mercedes as a way to sort of diminish all his
1: other achievements which is is not, it's not right. Uh, what have we got next? Oh, okay, yeah. question. A.O. Modamola has asked, as Hamilton eclipsed Schumacher records, do you see him as the greatest driver? Oh, I'm not going to open this can of worms. I'm really not. It's of an era. You can say, you can, you can judge, right? You can say in Schumacher's era, Schumacher was the best. In Hamilton's era, you have, yeah, he was, he's the best. Uh, I don't think you can deny that. Hamilton has proved that he has the adaptability of a driver to drive any kind of car. Yes, they are quick, but any kind of car... He's not a Sebastian Vettel, for example, who would win in a Red Bull that suited his driving style, and that was it. But then as soon as he went and got a car that he didn't like so much or he moved to Ferrari and didn't get a car he particularly liked as much either, it showed. But with Hamilton, it just didn't ever seem to really pick up as obviously people have preferences but the difference is Hamilton has shown that he can win in every single season he's taken part in uh, and that for me yes Hamilton is the best of this current era of drivers I, you can't say of all time in my opinion but yes he's in that conversation but you can never label someone as the goat in my opinion
3: yeah it's impossible to compare eras there's no right or wrong answer at the end of the day it's just it's just opinion for me Hamilton I think is has definitely put himself in that ballpark and people that say hamilton's the greatest of all time i don't begrudge people for saying that because i think what he's done you know on track and off it as well i think this we've not really gone into this too much but the stuff hamilton's doing off track as well like launching his own you know committee and trying to get more people into the sport and make it a more diverse sport he's done so much in the sport whilst somehow not being distracted by it all and being absolute, you know, relentless winner at the same time. So I think for me that that puts him on, you know, an even an even greater level. And I think it's only really when Hamilton retires I think people will uh cer- certain people anyway will give him the credit he deserves. You know, say 20 years time when there's someone new, um there'll be so many people on Twitter going, oh well you know this guy's nowhere near as good as Hamilton was it's just it would just go on and on and on and that's just that is just how F1 works
2: it is a cycle I think Hamilton is also a very different kind of driver to somebody like Schumacher Schumacher could be quite hot-headed quite controversial in some occasions on track whereas Hamilton seems to just get into the car Drives fast and does the job as much as that sounds like. I'm now fueling the people that says Hamilton just gets in a car and drives circles. But we move. Um, Reliability has also played a massive part in Hamilton's, um, you know, process of being where he is. He's also avoided causing himself to crash out as well, which is, you know, I'm not just saying Hamilton's only got the seven titles because he's in a car that never breaks. But I think you're right in saying that he's undoubtedly one of the greatest of our generation, if not the greatest. But As you said, F1 is a sport that has got so much history, and because it is that man and machine balance, the machine part of it is always ever changing, always modifying, and it's so difficult to make a fair comparison on the human side of things. Obviously, you can look at driving styles and things like that, but there's always going to be, you know, the reliability or choosing the right, uh, the wrong car at the i don't know what i'm trying to say you know what i mean like get choose the wrong car for your time of career like look at fernando alonso for example he could have probably have way more titles if he had not made the decision to jump from team to team and sort of pick the wrong places burn to burn
1: every bridge he's crossed yeah exactly
2: yeah, exactly. yeah um, exactly so i think it's a difficult one but i do think that hamilton is one of the greatest of all time in f1 yeah
1: yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, people love to get our opinions on it and we always balance on that fence. Um, what happened <laughs> to Bottas? Let's briefly talk about this. I don't think it needs a huge amount because um, it's pretty clear to see that he just didn't turn up. Row underscore 183. What happened to Bottas this season? No doubt he is a quality driver, but is it his bad luck or Merck restricted him with strategies? Oh, I mean... Okay. Yes, he had a few times where he asked for a certain strategy, and Mercedes went, "No, that's not how we do things." And then Hamilton ended up doing things that maybe if Bottas had tried, I I think it was in qualifying, I can't remember which track it was, where Hamilton went out three times and got pole um, in in Q three. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, yeah. but uh, although no, Bottas didn't want to go out, then we, no, we no, that, that, that's what I mean, and that's that yeah, was something yeah. that was highlighted. But when you actually look yeah. into it, you go, "Well, actually, that that wasn't quite the same thing." Um, but. Bottas just wasn't there he wasn't in the fight as much as he always starts strong <laughs> <laughs> every year I mean what is it like does he just run out of porridge after round one or something I really I don't get it <laughs> uh but but yeah it's so funny, uh, Bot- yeah. It's, it's just a, a very curious thing um Bottas I think has now got to the stage where he doesn't believe he can win Maybe coming into Mercedes, he thought maybe he had a chance, but I feel like his confidence has been knocked pretty much all the way to number two driver now. Um, And I don't see him challenging Hamilton at all next year. Hopefully it's a jinx. But now that I've said that, it probably won't be and it'll come true. But (laughs) yeah, it's, He just hasn't been there. He hasn't been consistent. He's never been consistent enough over a season. As much as I get my hopes up, I'm like, come on, Bottas, this is the year we're going to get a championship fight. You're the only one that can give us a championship fight in that car, please. Uh, But then he you know, gets beaten by George Russell, uh, or would have been. But yeah, it's just such a weird situation. And it just kind of sums up that Bottas doesn't have the minerals to beat the potential greatest of all time.
3: Yeah, you make... (laughs) it's a bit of a cliche but you do a lot of the time like you make your own luck and i think i don't buy the the bottas bad luck thing at all i don't i don't really get why that narrative has sort of come out at the end of the season yes there's been a few moments where bottas has been a little bit unlucky um
1: a few thousands behind hamilton in qualifying is mainly the thing that people yeah i guess i guess say like
3: imola where finally got ahead of bottas and then he ran over a ferrari wing and it damaged his car but at the end of the day sorry bottas finally got ahead of hamilton (laughs) and bottas got ahead of himself (laughs) the fact that he was leading he was yeah like the fact that finally he's leading and then he hits the debris first gets a damaged car that's one incident you know you can you can say oh hamilton yeah. was really unlucky in monza because of the the fact that he was leading and then you'd go well this is this is where bottas has now got luck because lewis hamilton has been dropped yeah. right to the back and and bottas still didn't win the race when the only cars in front of him was uh, alpha tauria and mclaren and uh, a racing point and it's and not then, like
1: it's it's not like sorry Tommy it's not like Bottas finished 20 points behind Hamilton. Hamilton yeah, was on 347 is... points, Bottas 223 and had an extra race.
3: And, I will, uh, and another argument who no one no one seems to say that Max Verstappen was really unlucky and he had 5 DNFs that weren't his fault and still almost beat Bottas in the championship. At uh, 5 DNFs that you know, that's a quarter of the over a quarter of the season that he's not finished, and he's still almost beating Bottas. Bottas didn't have anywhere near that many retirements that weren't you know his fault and stuff. And you can look back and say, oh, Bottas has had you know a couple of retirements, whereas Hamilton never retires. But you, you can't just add twenty five points on every time Bottas retires. I'm thinking uh, Nürburgring when he had the problem and did retire. It came after he locked up. Had a massive flat spot, lost the lead to Hamilton. You know, is that is that bad luck? Do you, do you know what I mean? There's I don't I don't buy the the narrative. Like sometimes you do make your own luck. He's in the the dream car that everyone wants to be in. How is that unlucky?
2: We've just spent the whole podcast talking about how these new tracks have been able to produce some really surprising and unexpected results. You know, people on the podium that we weren't anticipating. And like you say, Tommy, it's in those moments where maybe Lewis had struggled or things like that, that Valtteri should just be completely grabbing it with both hands and, you know, putting himself in that first place position. And he just wasn't. And he'd had so many shocking starts this year. It seemed every other race, you know, whether he started on pole position or he started second, he either fell back or, um, you know, didn't didn't really do anything, didn't go and try and overtake Hamilton. I think just looking at Sakir, for example, Russell starting in second, and Russell was so close to Bottas as well in that qualifying session, that Russell was just absolutely able to give it the beans and get into turn one first ahead of Bottas. Yes, Russell is, you know, an exceptionally talented driver, but that shouldn't be happening. Bottas should know that car inside out. He should know exactly what to do and, you know, how to to put his foot on the gas as soon as those lights go out and it just hasn't happened for him this year and there's so many occasions of where he's lost you know like four or five places on the opening lap I'm trying to think back I think it was probably in Monza maybe or um if not Tuscany but he had real troubling starts and um I mean also looking at Turkey you know he qualified ninth yes the track conditions were completely mad and it was a quite a disturbed session but he then finished the race 14th and had about a thousand spins in the process whereas you look at hamilton who had obviously the same car and had the issues that all the other drivers on the track suffered from which was the the difficult track conditions but he still managed to make it work and then got the victory so i think he's nah, a good bad man. luck mate bad luck I think Honestly, he's, he's a good he just he just kept coming though. across
3: lots of banana yeah. banana skins. <laughs> yeah.
1: Every time someone was pushing his rear round, like it just there's mm. just people on the track just pushing. Yeah, disgusting. It's shocking. But yeah, I mean you know hopefully Bottas doesn't get as much bad luck next year of spinning <laughs> on his own.
2: Uh, right, moving
1: on. <laughs> Ferrari's nightmare season. Uh, at Chockey underscore milk underscore man says can you see ferrari <laughs> getting back to the top of the pack in 2021 or will 2022 be the year 2021 if you're a ferrari fan get just put it in the bin yeah. go and watch something else if you are genuinely if you just want to see ferrari do well don't bother next year it is it is a write-off it's going to be exactly the same as this year 22 however who knows? We could have Williams at the front. That's the that's the exciting nature of the new regulations. I think a lot of the teams, especially the likes of Ferrari, won't be putting a lot of effort into 21 because they're too far behind. They can't get the gap back, although they do say they've got a better engine they, for next year or something. But either or... I don't think you could get a worse engine. It needs to be a rocket because ship. Because Leclerc yeah. and Vettel, I'm pretty sure, were peddling round for most of last season. So, Or this season, just gone. Uh, but yeah, I think 21, write it off, Ferrari fans. Go into hibernation, stick your head in the sand, whatever you want to do. And then 22, you just got to hope to God that Ferrari have sorted it out. Because if they haven't in 22, it might be a very long wait.
3: Yeah, they've got... So so the rules are... Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows by now, but the, the rules are obviously staying the same and they've delayed the... The big rule change that was going to be 2021 an extra year because of covid um there is uh, i mean for for the people that love a conspiracy theory the the wind tunnel time that you get uh for your 2022 car is based on how low you finish down this uh in the 2020 championship so the fact that Ferrari have had a shocking season I mean they'll get loads of wind tunnel time for twenty twenty two. I don't think they've written off a whole season, you know, all that embarrassment, surely not, just for just for that. Um, but there's one for the conspiracy theorists. But yeah, there there's not gonna be a lot of change. I think the most interesting thing is just gonna be how science can do compared to Vettel um next year. But I mean, there's not there's no expectation on Ferrari next year, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's all down to 2022. If they're that bad in 2022, that's when we need to be like, OK, Ferrari, what is going on here? And but that's when we could year... see
1: Ferrari leave the sport, right? I mean, if they're not at the yeah. top, Ferrari have no reason to be in Formula 1, in my opinion
3: yeah exactly so we just
1: need to hundreds of
2: millions that they get paid every year but apart from that i agree
1: (laughs) well they don't get paid they don't get paid that anymore do they yeah i
3: think they're getting rid of that now so
2: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think (laughs) you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head i very much doubt that like you say unless they fit a rocket ship to the back of their their cars next year it's probably going to be much of the same hopefully it won't be quite as an embarrassing year as 2020 has been for them, you know their worst constructors result in 40 years. But I don't know. I think Charles the is going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulders because I think quite a lot of Ferrari fans and probably people within Ferrari, you know, are now going to look to him for that guidance and support that Sebastian Vettel was able to give them this year. I think they'll hopefully let Carlos, you know, sort of get his feet. What's the feet under the rug? Is that a phrase, or if I just made that up? <laughs> I'd, sure we'll go with it but you know get sounds settled. like you yeah. think i've just made that up guys but, sounds like, sounds i'm, like I'm a pretty phrase.
1: sure why would, why would you be settled if your feet is under the rug
2: that sounds more like a trip hazard <laughs>
0: yeah
2: right <laughs> what i meant to say is get settled like, let's get settled yeah i don't know why i'm coming up with all these random phrases but um i hopefully that they're a bit more competitive next year is what i'm trying to get at but it seems unlikely
1: it's right. we've all had some Baileys before we came on yeah I'm literally looking at two massive
2: bottles of Prosecco in my kitchen as I'm recording
1: this we don't know where we are really do we let's be real Um, we're not drunk by the way no 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 yeah Um, I mean to be fair who cares if we were (laughs) it's Christmas (laughs) Um, but yeah I think that sums up pretty much Ferrari and their hopes and dreams moving forward Uh, best and worst races Danny King Danny 87 King asks best and worst races of the year question mark Oh, God, I've got to do that on a whim, have I? Um, Okay. Uh, Poor. Best race. Oh, that's so difficult. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to say Turkey was was one of the best ones. Was it the best? Probably. Maybe.
3: It's really hard to judge. In terms of chaos,
1: because there's so many different ways you can judge it.
3: Yeah, because Monza, I'd argue, wasn't wheel-to-wheel action incredible but it was just so exciting because it's been years and years and years and years since we've had any one of them you know mercedes leading the race and or, or you know someone quite random with the chance to win a race so it was so exciting and then the fact that sites was closing him down but realistically there wasn't actually loads of wheel-to-wheel action yeah. um and, and my worst and then, race is spain okay mine my i mean my worst race is Abu Dhabi. Just I know, I know it's like fresh in the mind, but I think I think it's just because yeah, I think it made Abu it Dhabi, worse yeah. as well because of how um, how good Sakir was. Uh, it 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 was like oh my god, what a season! This is the best season ever. And then,
1: and I love how you're saying that. Fell when off a and won.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I forgot to mention that in the podcast. the Verstappen won, and I felt nothing. That's how bad the race was. Shocking.
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've said my yeah. two favourites were Monza and Turkey. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say Monza, um, and then boring. There are quite a lot: Spain, Russia, Abu Dhabi, Hungary, Syria. But yeah, I think that's it's...
3: the thing. It was it, it's. It, I feel like it's a proper half and half season yeah. where you couldn't list like half the races dreadful, half the races amazing. Mm. Seems
1: seems that way. And we didn't even go to Paul Ricard. I know.
2: What a shame.
3: Can't, can't Can win them all. Can imagine?
1: I know, <laughs> oh such a shame. That was definitely going to be the best race ever. Uh, no. Right, uh, okie dokie. Let's let's turn our attentions to ABCDF1, the, the favourite part of everybody's evenings, mornings, afternoons, whenever you're listening. Uh, the legendary TuneFix2 on Twitter has done another table. If you're a, a resident member of the, the WTF1 podcast, you've been around for a long time, you'll know that TuneFix2 has done it uh, in previous seasons as well. Uh, and the average scores for drivers we've got in right now, and uh, the winner of the whole season was Nico Hulkenberg, which uh, I guess is a, is a little bit skewed. So I'm actually going to just remove him completely. Unfortunately, sorry Hulk, you did great, but come on, <laughs>
3: finally uh, gets on the podium. Yeah. So Brilliant.
1: the list, so the list uh, was uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, with five point one three. So five is an A, right? Uh, I
3: guess go based on the the column on the right which is 8. like 6. it gives you an a and then it's like a grade from nine being
1: the best a to one being okay. a rubbish So fan. nine is the top of an a one is the bottom of a grade okay cool so lewis so hamilton like a
3: six is like yeah an a star and a half
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait what an,
3: confusing, a, an a and right? a half
1: no, so like an so, A star so, and a and half. Yeah, so he's got an,
3: he got an A. His
1: average was an A. Why would you say A star and, and half? An a half? That's that's even more confusing, Tommy. That's wrong. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, yeah. An A. Right. And a half. Listen. I'm glad Tommy's here not marking we go. my
2: GCSEs.
1: <laughs> nine is the top of a grade. One is the bottom of a grade. So that would be a B minus or an A. B plus. Right. Okay. So Lewis Hamilton A six. Max Verstappen A three. Sergio Perez B nine. Carlos Sainz B nine. Lando Norris B eight. Daniel Ricciardo B eight. Pierre Gasly B7, Charles Leclerc B5, George Russell B3, Valtteri actually goes down to zero. Valtteri Bottas B0, Pietro Fittipaldi B0, Lance Stroll C9, Danny Kvyat C9, Kimi Raikkonen C7, Esteban Ocon C6, Kevin Magnussen C5, Jack Aitken C5, Roman on C3, Antonio Giovinazzi C3, Sebastian Vettel in 21st place if we count Holkenberg 20th if not C2 Nicholas Latifi C1 and Alex Albon D9
3: oof
1: so he was the only Scraping. man to finish in the deeds, unfortunately, Mr. Mister Alex Alban. Uh, we won't get into that. We won't bash him anymore. We know the reasons why he got those grades. Uh, whether you agree with them or not, we don't really care. But I'm sure you'll let us know either way uh, if you do agree with that. But I think our power rankings or our, our ABCDE F1 was actually quite similar to the power rankings for F1 most weeks. So no complaints. Yeah. We're not talking rubbish. Um, OK, thank you so much, TuneFix2, for that. Uh, we now get into the final part, which is our top five drivers of the year. In order. Now, okay, brilliant. Okay, so Tommy, you've changed that now because originally it was our top five drivers of the year in, in no particular order. Now we're doing it in order, are
3: no, we? Oh, are we doing it in order? It, uh, no, I didn't to. have to do it in
1: order. I thought I just thought... Okay. Because okay. I think that just... That throws another element of angering people uh, listening okay. to this. You know uh, what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know fair what enough. I mean? You thought I, yeah. I, I put Verstappen as my top driver of the year. Come on. I thought Actually, you I did, did, to be fair. I didn't say that because now people... Uh, anyway... <laughs> My top five drivers of the year in no particular order are Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, Gasly and Sainz. Tommy.
3: Right, I'm not going to be a bottle job, but also a bit of a bottle job. So I think that the driver of the year quite easily is Lewis Hamilton. Then the second best driver of the year quite easily is Max Verstappen. And then for third place, I found it extremely difficult to decide between Perez, Ricardo, Sainz, Laker, and Gasly. And I think that to be fair reflects in the A B C D E F one rankings where they're all extremely close. I'm gonna go Perez, Ricardo, and Sainz.
2: Okay. And then, Mine yeah. in no particular order, which I did change because I put them, copied and pasted them into the chat and I got completely cancelled, so now I'm chickening yeah, out and changing I mean, it just them. Yeah, it didn't
1: make any sense. Anyway, carry on.
2: I know, I can't believe I put Sebastian Vettel as my driver of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I've said Perez, Hamilton, Ricardo, Verstappen and then Gasly as my top five.
1: Okay, people are going to be angry now that Tommy's done a rating and we haven't. I'm going to rate it right oh, now. Hamilton no. driver of the year, yes. Verstappen second, Perez Everyone third. Everyone else, S- difficult. Perez third, signs fourth, Gasly fifth, Ricardo sixth, Leclerc seventh. There you go.
2: Okay. I'm you not did.
1: too.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that too much. Yeah. It's, I just find it really hard from third it's, down to the It's because annoying that, that Gasly, finish finishes.
1: Gasly finished his season so badly. Not badly, but I mean, in terms of comparing it to Kfiat, he finished a little bit meh. Nah. But if he had just I, continued a decent run of form, I think he would have easily. Uh, been in fourth but yeah, yeah I
3: think if you flip <laughs> it's, it's quite easy to remember like how the season ended if you flip Gasly and Perez's wins round mm. we'd all be lording yeah, Gasly yeah, of, so true. I think or if uh, we stopped at Mijello,
1: Stroll would be in this list. Katie? <laughs> true.
2: I will go Hamilton, Verstappen, Perez, Ricardo, Gasly that's my top five. Okay so, so those last
3: yeah there's it's been a I think it's really easy the first two and then the next five are just really hard to choose because i think if you think leclerc's had such a good year but he's made some mistakes that it's just dropped his average down so much yeah Um, absolutely yeah
1: well there you go lots of talking points um that i'm sure you'll be disagreeing or agreeing in the comments please be nice with everybody put
3: your top five in the comments Uh, yeah Yeah. put your top five uh,
1: drivers of the year in the comments and well we'll uh we'll see what uh storm that produces (laughs) um but yeah on a brief just to talk about 2020, thank you so much to to everybody that has listened to the podcast, supported the content, uh, you know, replied to us on Twitter, get involved with us on social media, anything and everything, uh, even if it's just watching. Uh, genuinely, your support has been amazing this year that the channel has continued to go from strength to strength, especially on socials as well. You know, YouTube, everything. Um, and, and we absolutely love providing you with this content even though i still can't wrap my head around why anyone watches us three talk but hey it's as long as people like it we'll continue to produce the content (laughs) but um but we we really hope that we can we can meet you guys um in 2021 we get to to meet more of you see some of you that we've spoken to before at at tracks at events things like that because we really do miss that side of the job at least i do um and I, I genuinely hope you all have a, an amazing new year's. It has been Christmas, so I hope you or whatever you celebrate, I hope you've had an amazing holidays with your family if you have been able to see them. Um and then in the new year, I hope it's amazing and we have a much better twenty one. Uh, fingers crossed.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hard to hard to add to that. And you know how good Tommy I am. Tommy final, final thoughts. thoughts. <laughs> you know how good <laughs> I am at final thoughts. But no, completely agree. Um yeah, appreciate all you know, all the, the support. I, I still it's unfortunate that we've not been able to, you know, meet anyone at races because it was so amazing last year and we got to meet people and they, you know, told us face to face. But it's nice that um, you know, we've had some messages of people saying that which which you said is so bizarre to me as well, but that enjoy this podcast so much and listen to it every single week and it's helped them through a difficult year, which I find you know crazy but I'm glad we could be part of that so yeah happy new year everyone
2: um, and I'd also just like to say a huge thank you to everybody for making me feel so welcome because I joined WTF1 back in October um, and obviously was a, a new face on the podcast and everybody has sent me such lovely messages even though some of my opinions might be a bit spicy but um, yeah a huge thanks to everybody for welcoming me to the wtf1 community with such open arms and like the voice said i hope you had a lovely time over the holidays um and have a happy healthy and successful 2021 and hopefully we'll see you next year
1: awesome stuff yeah it's been great to have you uh on the podcast katie and i guess it's been all right to have you still here tommy i oh, know with just, we've- uh, just- Kind of bored of you at this, but I'm checking. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even keep a straight face to that. Uh, it's been a pleasure, both of you guys, uh, for for creating content throughout the year, uh, and for you guys for listening. Uh, also, check out ExpressVPN that's uh, sponsoring this podcast as well. Uh, the links will be in the description as per always. And uh, that's it. If you want to send us any suggestions for 2021, use the hashtag WTF1Podcast, get involved with us on social media. And that is pretty much it. I'm not going to leave it with more final thoughts because I feel like you've both wrapped it up beautifully. So we'll see you, all of you, you wonderful people in 2021. Bye-bye.
3: Bye. 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 Oh, waving for the last time oh. this year. Oh, It's
1: so, <laughs> oh, yeah, so emotional. That I'm going to be speaking to you next week when it's 21. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I <Cool>.
3: know. <laughs>
0: Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com/slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you got-